The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Want to become best friends with the single most powerful person in the country? Whether she's a Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter, we'll untie the purse strings and give you the inside track on today's woman. How to capture her attention, grow her loyalty, and create such enthusiasm about your company or product that she spreads the word with her friends and family. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Purse strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, senior principal at Carmichael Lynch Spong, as she chats with those in the know so your business can grow. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. You'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country. The 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, I want to talk about Facebook today. I feel like every time I turn around, there's something new with Facebook, whether it's, you know, the Golden Gloves or the SAG Awards or being parodied on SNL or in the Wall Street Journal like it was this past month when the news hit that Facebook is going to be featuring you and your friends and ads. Have you heard about this? Well, check out Jeffrey Fowler's story on thewallstreetjournal.com. It was back on uh, January 26th, and in his posting, Mr. Fowler shared that Facebook's going to allow advertisers to buy and republish Facebook messages that use your messages. Now, these are messages that you voluntarily post about brands on your own Facebook wall. Facebook is calling this type of ads sponsored stories, and they are, quote, exact copies of the likes, comments, and location check-ins that users already post to your own walls and already show up in your friend's homepage news feeds. So, what does that mean? Well, it means that all your postings show up at the top right-hand column of the homepage next to all the other advertisements. Yes, your name and your face will be in light, so to speak. Uh, you may be getting more attention than you want or, frankly, than you need, uh, but you actually will not even know when it's going to be posted. You'll just pop up there. No one's going to tell you, which is interesting, I think. But guess what? You don't really have a say about whether it goes up or not. Um, there's no opt-out allowed, so if you're going to be talking about brands, you can probably expect that your face and name are going to show up in that ad area. Now, the good news is that People that will see it will be people that are already okay to see the original post. So it's not going to be out there for the whole world to see. It will just be your own friends who would normally see your Facebook page to begin with. Facebook is apparently already testing the format. Coke, Levi's, and UNICEF are going to launch the concept according to Facebook. So more to come on that. You just might want to make sure that you check out the ad space moving forward. Well, our first profile today is the Coach Queen. There's more than 1.5 million Coach Queens out there in her mid-30s, staying at home even though she does have a college degree. 
household income of more than $115,000. She's got two kids. Uh, she's got lots of interests. She's really interested in her home, interested in the arts, travels when she can, likes to go to a good spa every once in a while, and very focused on family. Very uh, conscientious when it comes to searching for the best price and hits the clearance rack often. So if you're a marketer, how do you connect with Coach Queen? Well, guess what? Friends, probably her Facebook friends, influence her. The store environment is very crucial to her. She likes to go into a store and spend some time there. And she reads a lot of magazines, and those, too, influence her. Things like um, Martha Stewart Living. People, Shape, Parenting. She's online at eBay, Amazon.com, Expedia, iVillage, and Disney. She's watching HGTV, TLC, Food Network, Fox News, VH1, Disney, and Nickelodeon. Well, my guest for this program knows all about the Coach Queens and all things mom. These are the folks from Iconic Culture, the trend-watching organization that I like to reference a lot on this program. I'm pleased to have Kate Mull and Barbie Cassisis on the program. Kate is a Vice President of Consumer Strategist, focusing on demographics, transportation, travel, and leisure. Barbie is a Senior Director of Consumer Strategy in the Latina Markets and Fashion. We're going to be talking about mom and all the new things that we should expect from mom in 2011 when purse strings returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to. Shopping. Purse strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with AscenderCart. Learn more about what AscenderCart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. 
Ad Media tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything Ad Media can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. Ad Media, strong ROI made simple. Rock the world with LinkedIn. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. Welcome back to First Strings. Joining me today are folks from Iconoculture. I talk about Iconoculture a lot on this program. They're a fantastic trend-watching organization. Kate Mulls, the Vice President, Consumer Strategist of Demographics, Transportation, Travel, and Leisure. Her colleague, Barbie Casasus, is Senior Director, Consumer Strategist of Latino Markets and Fashion, both at Iconoculture. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much. I'm so excited to have you all on. I have had uh, Iconoculture on the program before, and each and every time I always have just a fantastic interview. And I know today is going to be wonderful because we're going to be talking about mom, one of my favorite topics. And um, anybody who's been kind of not under a rock, let's say, over the last couple of years knows that mom has taken on more responsibility than ever before. I know you all have been noting that in your own uh, journal entries and that type of thing. A lot of moms have come back to work. Um, either she's already been working or she's become the sole wage earner in the family. Um, she certainly is now oftentimes making more than her spouse or partner, and yet she's still juggling all the other things that happens back at the house. Um, what's been the fallout in your estimation, the implications, if you will, in this kind of changing role for mom? Well, let me say first off that I think you've um, you've summarized pretty well, you know, what's been happening with moms over the la- course of the last couple of, of decades, and uh, so much so that um, we have a kind of funny moment sometimes with our clients who will say, you know, well, who's your target? And then they'll say to us, well, busy moms. I'm like, well, so you mean mom moms? You know, I mean, really, when we're talking about moms today, we are talking about women who are are incredibly busy and who are um, really struggling to. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of times we hear the word balance, or trying to kind of balance work life and home life, and um, and you know, try to strike that balance. But I mean, I would say what we're seeing and one of the big fallouts from you know from having those two roles, being you know, a wage earner and also being, you know, her traditional role as mom, is that we're seeing women who are increasingly blending their lives more than balancing, allowing a lot of um, their work life to kind of intrude, if you will. I think some people would see it as an intrusion, but nonetheless do it, uh, into their day-to-day lives, and also allowing more of the responsibilities that they, um, you know, are watching at home kind of enter into the workplace, you know, where possible. Um, you know, and, and it should be noted um, that when we're talking about mom and the workplace, we're talking about um, women whose whose income really is essential to how households function today. So um, there have been some studies looking at this. Uh, most recently, um, the Shriver Report, um, which came out at the end of, la- uh, of 2009, um, they were looking at some census data, and what they've discovered or uncovered is that um, right now, more than 60% of moms are bringing income into homes that are essential to the way uh, the household functions. So um, they are either co-breadwinners, which means that you know at least 
25% of the overall household income is coming from that mom, or they are, to the, your point earlier, sole breadwinners. And that's almost 40% of moms um, who are, or not sole breadwinners, but the breadwinner. They are earning the most money uh, in the household income. Well, and I would imagine, too, that there have been implications on the men in the home. As you said before, some men may have lost their job, they're staying home. Are you seeing that more men are picking up some of those responsibilities in the house because they're they're kind of forced to do so? Well, yeah, I mean, I think... Um you know, it's interesting that number one, they're, they're forced to. Uh, you know, in a in a sense, if I can, you know, be retro and, and reference the, make the '90s reference of it takes a village. Um, you know, it's really two partners in a household. You know, in a dual income household to keep things running, and we do see that dads are stepping up. But it's not just that they're forced to, because certainly they are. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff to get done, and it and it again takes the two grownups to make it happen. But um, it's also that today we see that dads um, are really making a conscious choice to be hands-on and to be more engaged with the parenting process. Um, you know, so we see, uh, you know, dads, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a dad who's not in the delivery room for a birth is kind of a, like a, generally a pariah. I mean, it's almost unheard of now. Um, but uh, so, too, is, is a dad who isn't changing diapers. Um, you know, we see that dads are, are involved even in the, the kind of earliest phases of baby's life, um, you know, is a, is a hands-on partner in the process. Um, you know, and the time diary studies bear that out as well. We see that dads are spending more clock time today with their children than their own fathers spent with them. And, uh, you know, and, and again, some of that, to your point, is about, you know, the economy kind of forcing it because, you know, there's so much to do. But, um, but you know, we really see it as um, a move on the part of dads to have a richer experience of their family life. It's really the center, um, you know, of how they see their, their role. Well, and I would imagine, too, um, I, I had, you mentioned the Schreiber report I just had the Center for American Progress on the other week talking about a follow-up report to the Schreiber report and talking about how, you know, um, the, the highest levels of government need to be making some significant policy changes to support women's role outside the home and inside the home. And then I've seen other articles written. I think Lisa Belkin was an article not too terribly long ago talking about that, you know, men have had to change their roles, but and society has been a little bit more welcoming of those changing roles in, in men, but that until we really demand men um, take paid time off and do things like that, that the roles will never actually um, be equal. What do you What do you think of that? I mean, do you do you feel like it's going to take kind of the highest level of government to get involved before we actually see some some balance coming into women's lives? I think that's a really, really good question and, and a tough question. Um, I mean, from my perspective, you know, consumers are moving in this direction on their own, um, and that uh, you know what we see certainly with um, younger women, uh, millennials, uh, the, that would be you know moms who are um, you know in their twenties and very early thirties. Um, you know, these are women who who approach the kind of work-life um, conflict slash balance a little differently than um, extra moms did before them and certainly than boomer moms. Um, they have a greater um, sense of entitlement to having, um, you know, flexibility, uh, being able to, um, you know, move back and forth between being and being at home. Um, you know, obviously the, the recession, I think, has, has slowed that up a little bit, um, you know, the flexibility aspect. But they still come into parenting with a, you know, a high expectation that 
that you know that their priorities are going to be um, you know respected by their employers and and their partners you know dad um, you know expects the same thing um, I I will say I think uh, what's been interesting to watch is um, you know the increase in I think on the one hand, you know, people being supportive and interested in supporting dads as they become more engaged, and I think certainly policies are in place from uh, employers to to support them. But of course, you know, men are not necessarily stepping up and taking you know their parental leave that's you know available to them and federally protected. Um, and uh, you know, and I think some of that speaks to another interesting effect around um, the the level of work life conflict that. Uh, moms and dads feel today. So, I mean, we're we're kind of accustomed to thinking about moms as as you know feeling kind of torn between you know work and home. Um, you know, Michelle Obama fairly famously talked about you know what that was like for her. You know, pre White House. Um, you know, to have that dual focus in her life and and the kind of guilt that she felt about it. Um, you know, and trying to resolve that. But one of the things that we've seen is that men actually are feeling that work life conflict, um, the pull of both, uh, and not being able to resolve it. Um, at greater rates than women are now, um, at least according to some of the studies that are out there, including uh, the Families and Work Institute, where they, they've looked at this issue, you know, over several decades now. And, and what you find is that the, the rates of moms, you know, expressing um, frustration around that conflict um, are, have been fairly steady, uh, you know, but we see the rates of dads expressing, um, you know, that discontent uh, growing at a pretty rapid pace, and now more men describe, you know, feeling, you know, basically bummed out about a work-life conflict than, uh, than women do. Well, at least we're all feeling bummed out about it now, right? That's right. It's, it's sad for everyone. <laughs> There's inequality you know, there again. Saying, um, well, quickly that uh, you know that I think a lot of what we've been discussing here is relevant when we think about uh, general market consumers for sure, and that's certainly my area. But um, but Bobby and I work together um, when we look at the family in the broader sense and uh, and try to kind of be more inclusive, but not just general market, but also Latino market. And I do think there are some differences, particularly around the role of dad in the in you know in the home and the you know sort of the sense of work like life conflict etc and um you know and i know she would certainly i think have some good insight to share yeah okay i think you're right on and i think what's important to acknowledge is that there are dynamics that are changing the role of mom a lot of which you ladies were just talking about now but i think the other important aspect to take a look at is the fact that the face of mom, right, and certainly dads are changing in this country as well, um, and not just because of the presence of, you know, the Hispanic population being the largest minority group in this country, but also because of the increase of multicultural consumers across the board. I think with the U.S. Latino population, what's important to look at is that you're talking about a population, certainly a mom, who is responsible for the increase of births in this country. She is a younger mom. She is someone who is very culturally connected. And I think what's most interesting when you start to look at the Latina mom is that she is someone, particularly this younger, more acculturated mom that I was just citing, she is someone who is driving the changing dynamics around the traditional role of Latina women and moms in the culture. So we, you know, have a very, uh, we have defined, you know, this very traditional profile around who this Hispanic mom is. 
And it's a profile that's very traditional, very rooted in heritage, very driven by nostalgia. Um, there are huge cultural pressure, pressures that come along with that, right, expectations around um, solely being responsible for managing the home and the family. And a lot of that, while it still applies to a certain segment of the population, a lot of that is changing because of the growth of younger, more acculturated moms, where, you know, a lot of the changing dynamics that we saw within the uh, in the general market decades ago are dynamics that are starting to shift within the Hispanic market where these younger moms are essentially trying to push away from traditional roles while still respecting it, but they're embracing a sense of multidimensionalism when it comes to their roles. And this is where you start to see the increase in female-owned businesses in the Hispanic population. This is where you start to see more career women. Of, of course, the economy has affected this as well and has driven or resulted in many women having to go outside of the home, but what you have is a sense of empowerment and confidence among young Latina moms today where they feel that they can be more than just what's traditionally expected of them in their culture, which is simply being a mom, right, responsible for family, but they have a sense of confidence around being able to have their own aspirations as well. Just like Kate talked about, there, of course, are impacts, implications, right, on men within the culture. That's going to vary based on level of acculturation. But what we are seeing is that those that are younger and um, well into the acculturation spectrum are much more comfortable with the idea of shared responsibilities within the home. Um, what's interesting, and the last point I'll make about this mom and the changing dynamics around relationships is that she, even though she is now increasingly dictating responsibilities and sharing in responsibilities, just like Kate was talking about in the general market, we still see that she is very hesitant to let go of the control of the overall responsibility. So she might have more support in helping her be a multidimensional woman, but she is still that you know chief household officer who, at the very least, is responsible for pulling together the list and essentially giving it to someone to help her carry it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and um, it's all around purchasing dynamic, too. And we, we all know that women, I guess Latino women, um, as well, control those purchasing decisions in the home, and that's growing as we continue to have uh, making more money, correct, in determining how all of that is spent. Uh, when we come back, I do want to talk more about purchasing decisions, and especially in a down market, what, how marketers can engage mom and get her to consider product and services at a time when, you know, pocketbooks are pretty thin. More when Pershing returns in just a moment. Okay, time for something we can all relate to, shopping. Her Strings will be right back after these messages from our advertisers. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Think about it. You work so hard with your existing clients. How much time do you have every day to recruit more clients, expand your business, and add more value to your service? Let WebmasterRadio.fm do the work for you. 
or the premier business-to-business on-air and on-demand podcast network with shows like SEO Rockstars, SEO 101, and SEM Synergy. We can tailor an ad campaign that includes 30 seconds every hour and a 30-minute special every month. Plus, the banner ads and links you need to reach our built-in audience and our legions of loyal listeners and podcasters. What you charge in hours for service is all it takes to get started on the fast lane to growing your business. Contact sales at webmasterradio.fm for consultation today. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for The Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. CEO Coach. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Her Strings is back with the inside track on Today's Woman. Here's your host, Maria Retan. And we're back. I'm talking with Iconoculture today. I'm thrilled to have Kate Mall and Barbie Cassius uh, with me today. Um, Kate is an expert in demographics, transportation, travel, and leisure, and Barbie is really focused on Latino markets and fashion at Iconoculture. And we've been talking a lot about mom and her changing role over the last, well, last few decades, but specifically around the economy and then also Latino uh, women and how those younger women are really pushing the boundaries of tradition. And I uh, wanted to talk about the implications on purchasing power. We all know moms, women, control more than 80% of all purchases made in this country. We're just off a holiday season where we actually saw an increase in spend over 2009, which is pretty exciting. Um, we all keep talking about our great hopes for 2011 being a very uh, much more positive economic uh, outlook, if you will. Um, But I am curious. uh, Luxury goods continue to dip. Mom has become a lot more savvy about what she purchases. She's always looking for a bargain. Um, Talk a little bit, if you would, about um, mom and how she chooses what she's going to buy these days. So this is such an interesting question um, right now. I think because we are, um, and you alluded to this in, in your question, um, you know, we're, we're returning to growth in the kind of macro sense, right? So, you know, we're seeing you know, GDP growth, slow though it is. We are officially out of the recession. And yet, you know, for lots and lots of families, um, you know, the, the sense of, of um, you know, being out of the woods, um, it just really hasn't arrived. Um, you know, so we still see a lot of families who um, are under a lot of pressure, um, you know, and pressure on the household budget. But there is some growth. I mean, I think to your point, um, you know, we we saw a, a holiday season, um, you know, with uh, probably better than expected for many of us anyway, um, better than expected results. Um, people went out and spent again. Um, you know, I do think we're returning to a place where mom can feel comfortable spending. But I, I probably shouldn't use the word return um, because that implies that somehow we'll go back to those pre-recessionary behavior patterns when it comes to purchasing. And when it comes to moms, that's not what we're seeing. Um, What we're seeing is that, you know, this is a woman who is um, very, 
value-driven. Um, that's a shift from being having been very thrift-driven through the recession. I think now the focus is on value, and I can unpack what I mean by that in a second. But, um, but what we see is a woman who through the, the difficult times of the recession, developed a whole lot of tactics to be able to control her spending, to keep, you know, her costs down and get the most, you know, for her money. Um, things like, you know, obviously couponing would be the, the most um, well-known and obvious example of that, but also, um, you know, using all sorts of mobile technologies to kind of power up what she's doing in the grocery store or what she's doing, you know, when she's at Walmart or Target um, to make sure she gets the, the right price. And But what she got out of doing those, you know, those tactics, engaging those behaviors was an emotional benefit. Um, you know, it helped her feel more in control of her budget at a time when, you know, so many external forces were pressing on her. Um, and that, I think, made her, you know, feel more secure and more comfortable. So then what you've got through the course of the recession, she's developed these tactics. They're giving her this emotional benefit, helping her feel secure, helping her feel smart and in control. And now what you have is, a, is an extremely empowered consumer. So moms today, they, they've got the, um, the tools they need to protect their spending when they have to. Um, and they now, I think, have learned by example that they can make changes and even changes they think would have been painful turned out to be not so, maybe not so hard or as bad as she might have anticipated pre-recession. So you have a woman now who, um, who understands how to get a bargain, but who also understands herself really well, who understands what's really painful to her to lose and to not buy to leave on the shelf, which, you know, which private label is going to be good for her family and good for her, her versus which, you know, um, you know major brand. Um, they, and she can make those decisions now because she's been through this trial. So I, I think it's, you know, I find this an interesting moment to think about moms and their purchasing because, you know, she's presenting new sets of challenges to all of us um, because you can't just go there with a low price and she's no longer about sort of the braggability or the status in the same way as she once was. And, you know, Maria, if I can just quickly add here, a lot of what Kate just shared applies, you know, with other types of moms as well um, across different age groups and across different racial groups as well. I think the one interesting thing that I would call out with the Latina mom is that she is someone who pre-recession um, was already leveraging savvy shopping strategies, even if they weren't in line with what we were seeing in the quote-unquote general market, right, or the, the non-ethnic market. And, and this was the case because, for the most part, you're talking about a demographic that has um, a higher, higher tendencies around multi-generational households. You're talking about a uh, consumer that, as a shopper, tends to um, actually shop more often, tends to have more retailers that she goes to because she understands where she needs to go to for her meat versus her canned goods versus, you know, supplies that she might need for the home. So she was someone who in many ways was already a multidimensional shopper who was very focused on thrift because of her reality. You know, we see interesting numbers around the fact that these are households that for the most part have low, lower uh, socioeconomic levels than the general market, yet they spend more in certain categories like food, like baby care, among others. What you have now very closely aligned to what Kate shared is someone who now has a very expansive uh, tool belt, who now has has different strategies to leverage, but uh, that differentiating point that I mentioned up front is the fact that you also have a consumer who is very, very open to brands helping facilitate this process, right? She has hardened behaviors and expectations. She has new strategies that she's leveraging, and she looks at, at brands, brands that are trusted, credible, brands
brands that are, you know, present in the community, offering her transparency, she looks at these brands as being partners that can facilitate not just her transition to this country, but they can facilitate strategies that she needs to apply to ensure that she is managing her home in the best way possible. And, you know, for this mom, this is, you know, a result of her now being more targeted by brands, having more options, feeling comfortable in, 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 in the, the, land, the, the brand landscape out there, right, feeling empowered by um, having all of the choices to make, but also still relying on resources that are going to give her the tool to close any gap, educational, socioeconomic gap, whatever the case might be, but any gap that she might be trying to navigate. Yeah, good points. I think mom is much a, a much more savvy purchaser and has become very skilled at navigating all kinds of ways to save a buck and, and to seek out bargains. And to your point, companies have assisted her greatly in that regard. I am curious because she is so savvy these days, and I think she's also much more suspect of good deals or, or things that don't appear quite right to her. What can companies do to make themselves very compelling to her and really kind of cut through all of that clutter? Because I do feel like mom is being bombarded a lot by companies who are kind of hip to the fact that, yeah, I want to be your friend, and I know that if I'm your friend, you're going to buy more from me. So what what's really resonating with her? Well, I think right now, um, you know, we're in a kind of a golden age of possibilities for um, for connecting with moms. Um, and then at the same time, you know, uh, to your point, you're, you're dealing with a, an extremely savvy consumer whose um, whose palate is very sensitive for the marketing that's coming at her. Um, and so, you know, it's I think for starters, it's really really important. Um, you know, and Barbie made this point a moment ago to, to be transparent. Um, you know, like you're you're not going to fool anybody. Um, or, or at least you shouldn't be trying because someone's going to find out and uh, you know and blow it up for you. Um, but I do think there are um, lots of ways that that marketers can connect with mom, and I, I would say it kind of comes down to, to two things. I mean, first off, um, and we alluded to this earlier, but. You know, mom is very value-driven, which is different than thrift. You know, thrift may have been, you know, a key driver in the early um, and middle stages of the recession, but now value, which is really what is the price against the personal relevance for me? Um, you know, what is this? What are the benefits that are specific to me that I see? Um, and then assess the, the, you know, whether the price is appropriate or not based on that. So it's not the bottom now. It's, it's, you know, value against my personal relevance. So we know that that's one. One thing that's really important about moms right now is that they need to see what's you know sort of relevant and specific about the product that is relevant and specific about them. Um, and then I think the other uh, you know thing that we understand about moms now and and a major trend among moms is their uh, kind of very fast adoption rate of um, smartphones and other kinds of mobile computing options. Um, even you know the the dumb phone can be uh, used in a smartphone kind of way now um, and being able to use this kind of mobile computing to um, to keep herself uh, you know on top of her life and to you know and she's using the, the technology to inform her purchasing decisions um, you know so I feel like the, you know, the most compelling way for marketers to reach mom right now is to you know power up a combination of both of those things you know know that you um, that you need to be transparent and she needs to see that what you're offering has real personal relevance for her um, but you might not be able to do that in you know just a kind of mass market message so 
you know, leverage that technology that she's increasingly embracing to keep her life together and build her a tool so that she can assess for herself what the, you know, what the relevance and the real value is that, that you're going to provide. Um, you know, we've seen a whole host of uh, apps, you know, um, available for iPhone, Android, um, you know, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, ways that marketers can interact with um, consumers using just even texting, um, you know, if you didn't want to go to the smartphone place, um, that I think can be a really powerful way, you know, to become a partner for mom. Well, and uh, we're, we're running out of time, but before we leave, I, I did want to kind of leave everyone listening today with looking ahead to some big trends um, Kate, you and Barbie, a few little trends that, or big trends, I should say, that you want to kind of throw out there, things that we need to be looking for on the horizon when it comes to mom this year and maybe in, even into 2012? Well, sure. I mean, I, I'll just jump in again I, um, and, and say that I do think, you know, watch the, um, the way that mom uses, um, you know, location-specific technology, um, you know, and, uh, and smartphones. Um, you know, it, it was a big story from last year. Um, it continues to be a big story. Um, you know, moms are adopting this kind of technology at a, you know, at a kind of incredible clip um, and really folding it into her, you know, folding these, you know, iPhones, for instance, into their everyday lives in ways that are, you know, really profound. When we think about, you know, mom as a planner and mom as a as a co-experiencer of the world with her children, that that smartphone is is really important in in how she's enhancing her experiences and organizing them. Um, and one other thing that I would mention, I mean, I, I'm sure some of your listeners uh, have been following um, somewhat uh, the the big um, kerfuffle that uh, broke out after um, the publication of an article uh, in the Wall Street Journal that was headlined, um, Why Chinese Mothers Are Superior. Oh, was, yes, that one. <laughs> right? Um, and it was excerpted from a book called A Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother by Amy Chua, who is a, a Yale law professor. And um, and I call that one out. It's a, a little, you know, one click out from thinking about, you know, things that are directly involved in purchasing. But it is a really interesting moment to think about how moms see their role, um, you know, what they're here to do for and with their children. Um, and, you know, what I think of the many things that um, are going on in the kind of very public and heated debate around that book, um, I, I think is surfacing a, a kind of uh, interesting um, emerging sense that maybe uh, there's more room for directed discipline from parents than uh, than has been kind of the, the, the norm for the last decade. Um, you know, and I, I think we're seeing moms really start to look at that question and 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 wonder um, how many of them will go as far as uh, restricting playdates and sleepovers and uh, threatening to uh, auction off the dollhouse is another question altogether, but I think that's a really interesting one to watch. Barbie, any any last words from you before we go? Yeah, I would underscore everything that Kate said about technology for the multicultural mom. I think it is important to understand the trends that she's leading within the technology space, specifically around how she's leveraging the smartphone to close any hint of the digital divide that might exist, because we've seen the digital divide for many multicultural groups really diminish over the last couple of years. So I would underscore that, because the reality is she's more more engaged, more likely to be a creator, meaning if you're not present in that environment, you're not relevant to that mom. 
And then one other thing that I think is important to really, really closely look at with this mom and with this family is the ways in which they are contextualizing culture, meaning tradition, heritage, traditional values, the ways in which they're contextualizing them to make them relevant for their more modern realities. It becomes increasingly important as multicultural pride and certainly Latino pride is um, continuing to increase among moms and children today as we live in a much more diverse reality. But this mom is really about finding ways to get to the essence of tradition so that she can apply it to her family and to her children in a truly relevant and meaningful way. So I think looking at the ways in which she's connecting with culture, contextualizing it, and then adapting it is one of the key trends to keep in mind for the year ahead with this mom. And George, thank you very much for producing another uh, error-free show. And join me next week for another edition of Purse Strings right here, Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Carol Evans will be back on the program. You may remember Carol. She's the president of Working Mother Media, the folks behind Working Mother Magazine. She's just back from China where she's been meeting with women over there talking about their balance of an, kind of a new world order. Looking forward to talking to Carol. That's right here next Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one.